Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I had planned to spend at least part of this podcast talking about Kawhi Leonard and the situation the Clippers find themselves in as they prepare for next season, with Leonard now recovering from surgery to repair a partially torn ACL in his right knee. I'm still planning to spend a good deal of time on that subject, but there are going to be several additional layers to the conversation after my long phone conversation with an Eastern Conference GM earlier today, in which we talked in part about Leonard, the knee injury, and what to expect from him going forward. I also want to get to Chris Middleton and all the noise about who he compares to and where he stands in the Bucks' hierarchy of players before we call this episode a wrap. My original reason for feeling Kawhi deserved discussion arose from a topic we discussed on FS1's Speak for Yourself this week. The topic was, in light of Leonard's injury, has the Clippers' championship window closed? I said, rather forcefully, that I thought it had just opened. TV having its limitations, and Emmanuel Acho vehemently taking the other side and saying it was definitely closed, required me to paint an unmitigatedly rosy picture of where the Clippers are. I still believe their chance of winning a championship is as good right now as it was several weeks ago before Kawhi sustained his injury in Game 4 of the Clippers' semifinal series with the Utah Jazz. And at that time... I thought that they would meet the Bucks in the finals and come away with their first championship. But 
there are some hoops to jump through or hurdles to clear for them to actually make that a reality. One of them, obviously, is figuring out what to do contractually with Kawhi should he choose to opt out of his current deal and technically make himself a free agent. I say technically because this is where the knee injury pays a dividend for the Clippers after robbing them of a chance to potentially win a title this year. And as I said, I do believe if fully healthy, they would have been too much for both the Suns and Bucks. And by fully healthy, I mean that neither Kawhi uh, nor Evita Zubac had been injured. I'm not counting Serge Ibaka as part of the equation, though if he had been healthy, it would have been without question the Clippers winning the championship. They would have been able to check every single box in terms of what they needed. But it became pretty clear that Ibaka was not going to be a factor in the postseason even before he elected to have surgery. And quick aside on that, I'm hearing that Serge was not happy when Zubac replaced him in the starting lineup, and it may have affected how hard he worked to get himself where he might be able to play, either without surgery or before getting surgery. Now, for the most part, I've known Ibaka to be a great teammate. and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in terms of his place with the Clippers. But I also know that players, uh, their pride can get in the way. Uh, my feeling, though, is it's better that he was put on the shelf if he was indeed feeling that way because the hallmark of this Clippers team and one of the biggest reasons I believe their best days are still ahead of them was the chemistry they, they demonstrated this season. They could not have been more different than last year's squad. As we found out in the bubble, didn't quite see it before then. And I'll admit, I'm as guilty as anyone for not having seen it. And looking back, the signs were there. I was in the Clippers locker room quite a few times during the pre-bubble season. And now that I think about it, there was something off about the vibe. I attributed it to, to Kawhi, whose silent, seemingly unblinking visage in front of his locker has always created a weird sort of vibe. But I don't remember it having, now that I think about it, I don't remember it having the same impact in Toronto. Because of Kyle Lowry and Danny Green and the rest of the Raptors, who were as bubbly and personable with each other as Kawhi was quiet. Now, the Raptors didn't ostracize him for that. In fact, they spoke up for him and protected him. But they also didn't let his demeanor create any shadows. Maybe it's because everybody knew he was there on a one-year deal, and he hadn't, he hadn't asked to be there. L.A. was much different. He was the king on the throne in that locker room, having, having been given everything, including Paul George and a short contract to maintain his leverage, LeBron style, to get him there. And there weren't other personalities like Kyle Lowry or Danny Green, uh, certainly not in leadership positions, that could have kept the camaraderie and the chemistry in a good place. Now, we weren't allowed in the locker room this past season, 
but through my conversations and texts with various Clippers players and personnel, and by watching them play and interact on the floor and on the bench, I got the distinct sense something was different. Kawhi and Paul George obviously had been humbled by blowing a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the bubble. That was part of it. Montrez Harold, who, uh, you know, I also remember being in that locker room and uh, not a difficult personality, but not, not a warm and fuzzy one either. And certainly not on the level of Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is a fun-loving guy in the locker room. Montrez Harrell ended up going across the hall, which you can't tell me wasn't a unifying effect for the Clippers that he left behind. You can't mean mug the Lakers as often as Montrez did and then turn around and put their uniform on and not have your teammates, your former teammates, look at you some kind of way. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. In any case, there was a lot of change from the bubble team. Doc Rivers lost his job. Landry Shamit got dealt. I knew something was different when, in late January this year, Reggie Jackson called a timeout with 30 seconds left in a game against the Heat. The problem? The Clippers were out of timeouts, resulting in a technical free throw and the ball for Miami. Bam Adebayo had just scored on a dunk, cutting the Clippers' lead to six. The technical free throw, sunk by Tyler Hero, and another bucket by Adebayo on the subsequent possession, cut the lead to three with 21 seconds left. Suddenly, a game that appeared to have been iced was back in the balance, almost entirely because of a decision, a boneheaded decision that Reggie made. Reggie was then fouled on the subsequent inbound and missed the first free throw, before making the second. Miami managed to get three three-point attempts in their final possession, but none of them fell, and the Clippers beat the defending Eastern Conference champs with neither Kawhi nor Paul George in uniform. Most important was the way the team rallied around Reggie, consoling him as Hero took the free throw, encouraging him after he missed the first free throw, and congratulating him after he sank the free throw that iced the game. It doesn't sound like much, but Reggie was genuinely distraught, and Ibaka literally hugged him 
and let him rest his head on his chest. I mean, it, was, it was kind of a touching moment. The bubble team was too busy trying to show how hard and tough and gangster they were to ever do something like that. But fast forward to now and next season. The silver lining to the knee injury is that it further reduces any chance of another team looking to pry Kawhi away from the Clippers. I have no reason to believe Kawhi has any interest in leaving in the first place, but this almost precludes him having a legitimate option with a team looking to upgrade its title chances. And the only way I can see Kawhi going someplace else is if he thinks he has a chance to win a title. Why he would leave home, essentially, living in San Diego and flying up on his helicopter, can't do that anyplace else. That was one of the big draws for him going to the Clippers in the first place. The combination of his injury history and the fact that he will probably miss most of next season is going to be a major deterrent for anyone other than the Clippers. I wouldn't expect Kawhi to be back until around February or March at the latest. What I'm hearing is that the plan for next season is to start on December 1st. Late enough that this offseason will be more like a typical offseason than the last one, but late enough that the NBA has less crossover with the football season than when it was starting in October or November. I get the sense the Board of Governors and Commissioner Adam Silver believe they found their sweet spot. A short run-up, so at least a bit of prologue has been created before the Christmas Day slate of games, and then only having baseball to keep, compete with in May, June, and July. Kawhi returning in late February, early March, gives him roughly two months to get up to speed for the playoffs. If you watch the Clippers this regular season, you'll know they were more than capable of winning on any given night when they had to play with only one of their two main stars. And watching them in the playoffs close out the Jazz and take the Suns to six games, all without Kawhi, is only further proof that the current roster is more than good enough to keep them out of any play-in scenarios to make the playoffs next season. It does require, of course, re-signing Jackson and Nicholas Batum, both of whom were instrumental in both the Clippers' postseason success without Kawhi and their improved chemistry. I know some have speculated that Reggie may be too expensive for the Clippers to be able to retain, but I don't expect the market to be as robust for Reggie as some think. The feeling around the league is that he was on his best behavior this year because he was a pending free agent, not because he's no longer the sometimes erratic, high-strung personality he proved to be in Oklahoma City and Detroit. The conversation with the aforementioned GM was about two aspects of Kawhi's knee injury. One, how the Clippers left it as a mystery for as long as they did. And two, what kind of player we should expect him to be when he returns. The mystery part, the GM and I agreed, was probably some shady gamesmanship, leaving both the Jazz and Suns wondering and possibly preparing for the potential of Kawhi suddenly being back in uniform. For all the measures that the league has taken about accurate injury reports, I'm surprised there wasn't more blowback on how vague the Clippers kept Kawhi's status, especially in hindsight knowing now what he 
supposedly was dealing with. There's no way that it took them several weeks to determine that he had a partially torn ACL, or that one minute he was a game-time decision for Game 6 against the Suns, which was announced, then the next he's out, and the next he's having surgery for a partially torn ACL. As I said, shady. But here's another possibility, raised by the GM. And these are the kind of conversations that I love to have, and I don't mind sharing with you here on the podcast. It's, it's when you get into kind of the speculative conversations about the skullduggery that happens in the league with executives who have seen it, in some case, done it. <laughs> anyway, the GM raised that announcing it, that it was partially torn and surgery was needed may have provided Kawhi cover for deciding not to come back and play. As Kawhi has demonstrated before, he's reluctant to play when he's not clear on the severity of the injury he's dealing with. What makes me go, hmm, is that in many cases, partial tears do not require surgery to rehab. Now, we obviously don't know the severity of Kawhi's tear other than it wasn't a complete tear, which would demand surgery. But it's yet another case of creating uncertainty and questions if Kawhi was out by necessity or due to caution. And again, that's where his history just comes back to haunt him. If we wouldn't have gone through the whole harangue in San Antonio that led to him being traded into Toronto then I don't know that it would be speculated the way it is, at least by this particular GM. All that aside, there are players I'd worry about as far as how effective they'll be returning from an ACL injury. Kawhi is not one of them. Everybody likes to point up that he is the poster boy for load management, but he played 52 out of 71 games this year largely because of a sore right foot, not load management not because of issues with the quadricep tendon knee issue that was a factor in San Antonio and that he then load managed in Toronto. A sore foot is also not an injury that makes me question a player's longevity. What the players missed not having him against the Suns is his mid-range game, along with his stout defense and rebounding. I don't expect that any agility or explosiveness he might lose while he learns to trust his right knee again will affect that part of his game. His strength and ability to play angles is what makes him so effective in that mid-range. It's possible he won't be quite the same defender, but PG, Paul George, demonstrated he's more than capable of playing the defensive stopper role on the perimeter. Again, the evolution of the team without Kawhi this coming season actually could be a positive. They were not at their best when he dominated the ball and tried to live up to the billing as the guy who would lift the Clippers to their first championship. He's better as a talented part of the collective. And now, under the current circumstances, he won't have a choice. The conversation about Chris Middleton and who he is merits more time than I have left. 
So I just want to touch on this for now. It's time to retire the whole Batman Robin construct when it comes to talking about the top players and their given roles on any given team. If we want to be completely honest, Robin wasn't much of a superhero in the first place. If I'm not mistaken, he was essentially written out of the Batman versus Superman movies. It might not be necessary to move on from it if it weren't being beaten to death, amusingly enough, by former players in the media who once upon a time took issue with the media trying to pigeonhole players into such constructs as Batman or the Alpha Dog or some other formula that discounted the importance of the overall team. But it's also way too simplistic, the Batman-Robin construct that is, for the way teams are built today, because the hierarchies are more muddled than ever, with roles being more interchangeable than ever. We've got point guards who are actually scoring guards, and we've got power forwards who are actually point forwards and we've got stretch fives and it's it it's just a different game than when it was you could define clearly not only what a point guard was and a shooting guard and a small forward and a power forward and a center but what their roles were as a result of playing that position it doesn't fit that neatly anymore the tag of being a team's Batman versus being its Robin once meant that that player was essentially the leader of the team. Not just the star who responded when the bat signal went up as an alert that his help was needed to rescue someone. In this case, a victory. Let me just put it this way for now. Anyone saying Chris Middleton is the Bucks' Batman would then also have to say Kyrie Irving was the Cavs Batman when he played with LeBron in Cleveland because their roles are virtually the same for their respective teams. Go get me a bucket when I need one at the end of the game. I'm not asking you to make plays for someone else. I'm not asking you to do other anything other than hit a shot when I need one. Now, ah, calling Kyrie Irving Batman in Cleveland, that doesn't sit all that well, does it? And yet, if you're going to call Chris Middleton the Bucks' Batman, as Kendrick Perkins and a few others have, then that's the way you got to call it in Cleveland. Sorry. It would mean Brandon Ingram is Batman over Zion Williamson in New Orleans, and that doesn't sound right either. So see how problematic this becomes? And I'm probably preaching to the choir, but let me, let me bring it home anyway. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bone up on my Power Rangers and my Backyardigans, Teletubbies, a few other famous collectives, maybe a few iconic bands or movie characters, and see if I can find a construct that is a little more pliable to use in assigning roles on NBA teams. My guess is that it may have to be an ever-changing construct chosen to relate to that particular team. Now, it may not inspire quite as much debate. Then again, it might. But I'm going to bet it makes a lot more sense. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever 
you get your podcasts. It is always appreciated. Uh, in the next podcast, which will be coming the beginning of next week, we will have played Game 5 in Phoenix, and we will have a clear idea of who is in the driver's seat in the NBA Finals series. Looking forward to it. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.